Hello and welcome back everyone. This is another episode of Discussing Who. We are legal now and what I mean by that is we have reached episode number 21, the big 21. And as always, I am Kyle Jones, even though I often forget to mention who I am when we get started. And joining me as always is Mr. Clarence Brown. Hey, Clarence. Hey, Kyle. Glad to be back to discuss some comics today. Absolutely. We follow. We are following up uh, issue or issue. Here we are in comics. We're following mm-hmm. up issue slash episode 20, which talked about the first episode of Luke Cage with another marvelous Marvel episode. And not sure how marvelous I think this book <laughs> is, but considering the fact that I love the X-Men and have always been a fan of the X-Men ever since uh saw them on, let's see, what was it? Spider-Man and his amazing friends back in the late 70s, early 80s, have been a very big fan of the X-Men. So for that reason alone, I'm excited to talk about the death of X, number one. Yeah, and of course, the the uh, great 90s cartoons, which I love and hold dear. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, the um, 90s cartoon in many ways was for the fans of the 2000 movies that came out. That was the precursor. And in all fun and games, the 90s cartoon was very well done. Oh, really? Really? And that's, yeah, I mean, that's big. That's high praise coming from the comic guy. <laughs> no, the, this the, I can remember. Well, picture back before you had uh, cable, the before you had high definition televisions, you're getting your television across the antenna, across the air and the local Fox channel that where I was in Mississippi, which was a little small town called Collins, the local Fox affiliate at the time was in Gulfport. Now, even though we could get that particular channel very well some days, some days I couldn't. So every Saturday morning, I would get up, leave my parents' house, go out to town and watch the X-Men cartoon uh, with some real good friends of mine that's practically like family. So uh, th- that was p- p- part of how I guess we all became <laughs> family because in in a sense of uh, we're sitting there watching it and they knew absolutely nothing about the X-Men other than hearing me talk about it. And then finally <laughs> I'm sitting there going, oh, there she is, there she is, or there he is. So, yeah, I, I have nothing but high regards for the cartoon of the 90s. That's great dedication, man. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, uh, either dedication or obsession, one way or the other, it works for me. So I know you've got some news, but before we get into news, I just want to mention that Lee can't be with us tonight, but we know that he's going to be back soon. And uh, I'm not sure if Lee is at his uh, in is in Alabama or in North Carolina this week. However, if you are in North Carolina, my friend, we wish you well, considering all of the weather that's going on. And if you're listening to us later than 2016, we're actually recording this on October the 6th, which means Hurricane Matthew is, even as we speak, uh, about to head up the Florida coastline. So for any of you who have listened and are living in Florida, you know, we wish you safety. Absolutely. 
and got a little bit of coffee there. So, Clarence, I think you've got some news for us. So uh, tell us what's in the news. So, yeah, we're talking X-Men today. And to go along with that, we have some news. Uh, uh, the at real Hugh Jackman, Hugh Jackman, of course, on Instagram, uh, tweeted out. Well, I mean, he did this on Twitter and Instagram. He showed us a picture of old man Professor X, which is really weird because Patrick Stewart is like uh, 76 years old. So <laughs> there is a picture that he tweeted out of an even more aged Patrick Stewart. So it looks like he's 150 in this picture for real. And also we got the name of the movie, which I think it leaked a couple days ago, but it's official now. The name of the movie would be Logan. Um, also saw another picture of a, a, a big billboard. Well, not really a billboard, but like a uh, a sheet on the side of a, a real tall building showing uh, the claws and a aged hand with the claws coming through it. So looks like we're going to get some old man Rogan, Kyle. And Logan wasn't Cal. Um, this image, because I've seen that too, wasn't this image that you're referring to, didn't it also have someone holding his hand as well? I'm not clear. I glanced at it really quick. so <laughs> and, and, and I'm not sure, sure either. So tell me, what do you know about the concept or the character Old Man Logan? The only only thing I really do know is the one panel we get of him in Civil War II running across off the grab somebody after uh, right before Hulk is killed. So, All right. so sorry. let me ask you this question. <laughs> is Old Man Logan and Wolverine proper uh, that you knows the young Wolverine than, that Hugh Jackman has always played? Are they the same person? I would think they are, but I'm sure you have something interesting to tell me. Well, um, here's the deal. Yes, you're right. They are the same person. However, his the version that is Old Man Logan was from another Marvel multiverse Earth that survived after the Secret Wars and the uh, Earth that they're on now, this one remaining Earth was patched back together. So the old man Logan that is now a member of the X-Men is not per se. He is an alternate version. And yes, he's still Logan. And yes, he's still Wolverine. But he is not an aged version of that particular Wolverine. So I hope you're not going to tell me that there's two Wolverines running around. Well, there is two Wolverines oh, running God. around. Now, However, you- the other Wolverine is not... The Wolverine proper, it is uh, X-23, are basically Wolverine's female clone, or, and who's been referred to as his sister now. Oh, so we have Old Man Logan and a female Wolverine. Right, right here. because she took over the mantle of Wolverine after Wolverine died. Spoiler alert. Uh, uh, so you think that will play into this movie any or will we see uh, antics of the old alternate universe Logan? Uh, I think you may see a combo. You know, you may just I think they won't refer to it as alternate universe. They'll just say, hey, this is Wolverine after he gets old. Yeah. Which, of course, I think Hugh Jackman has stated he's not going to do too many more of these. In fact, this may be his, his last, last one. one. So. Right. Yeah. And if that's the case, you know, how better to go out and as an old man and Wolverine dies at the end, perhaps. Yeah, that would be awesome. You know, that would be, that would be interesting. And uh, another aspect of that would be, you know, not only 
would that be his last appearance? But, you know, what if they set up another character to be the Wolverine or be the Wolverine type character for any of these movies or uh, Marvel properties going forward? And what I mean by that is what if they did introduce the clone of Wolverine, the X-23 character, and she becomes the Wolverine character going forward in the movies. Yeah, and just on a real quick note, do you think at some point Marvel will just reboot the whole uh, MCU? It's interesting that you said that because while I was doing, and I I wish I would have written it down because I would like to give the person credit for for what I just read, but while I was doing research for this episode earlier this evening, I actually read a um, article that was in my flipboard that I was looking through, and it's the argument was 10 things that Marvel could do right now to fix things. And one of the things that they said that might be a good thing for them to do is just go ahead and reboot and start over from scratch. Oh, I think it's too early. I think I it's think, too early. No, I think they need to because it's it's so... And I, and I know DC is this way to some degree too, but I am so tired of the event for the sake of the event. And are you meaning uh, the event in the movie or no, are you? I'm no, trying no, no, to... no, not, not in the, Oh, I'm sorry. I may have confused myself and or, or mumbled what I was saying. Uh, as far as rebooting the movie universe, absolutely not. I think I think oh, it's doing okay, fine. Okay. No, I'm referring okay. to the, oh. the the comics themselves. Yeah, but man, it, I, I I just think things are just getting reworked too much. Because I mean, we have all these events that you just mentioned that kind of reset things and rejigger them, uh, set up new storylines. But by the same token. Just for it to go completely back, I think it's still another step that they actually wound up trying to fix later on. Uh, or like you say, if they do reboot, just do it and don't have any reservations about it. We're starting over. I think the problem is when we come in and try to bring old things forward instead of doing a true reboot. Right. I, I agree. I mean, that that's basically a good description of what happened wrong with the new 52, you know, you yeah, tried definitely. to do a reboot, but yet you didn't really do a reboot to some degree. And then fans start rejecting what you're doing and then you rebirth it. So, I mean, you know, the argument can go either way, you know, and I definitely. see that. Um, my thing is with with Marvel and I know that it's almost being a little bit hypocritical of me to even say this simply because two of our most recent episodes are talking about event books that Marvel is putting out. So it's almost to complain about what we're talking about. Yeah, true. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the event books are there to draw people in, and I think it's doing what it's supposed to. But to the person that's been there forever, I can see that being All right. Let me ask you this question. Do you think that a casual reader would be more inclined to re- go into Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, where, uh, Amazon.com, and buy a trade paperback 
of a collected story that includes issues 145 through 155 of Uncanny X-Men? Or would you be more inclined to buy a story of a collected paperback of issues 1 through 10 of volume 3 of Uncanny X-Men? Which one caught your attention more? Yeah, I mean, I I, I think the second uh, option is the one with starting at one. But again, at some point, it's not going to be one anymore. It's going to be 2025. And I think you're still going to have the same problem a year from a reboot. Somebody coming in and looking at this new is going to be like, oh, man, I'm not going to go back and read all those. But I like to try this. But there's still maybe too much for me to fully catch catch up or dig in i think the thing is and even for me coming in new and trying to get into comics you just have to do it and know that there's going to be a bunch of stuff that you don't know and that's when you got to find people like kyle jones to ask these questions (laughs) i I give you that and I, i mean and i appreciate that and i give you that but let me ask you another layer to that let us let us think for a moment let's go back to that scenario that i gave you and what if you were looking on your, uh, like I said, you know, whether it's online or whether it's in a uh, brick and mortar store, you're looking at a book collection and you see Uncanny X-Men volume three, numbers one through 12. And it's the story, you know, the story name. Then it says maybe, you know, Uncanny X-Men volume two, one through 10, and then X-Men volume Three, one through ten, and then Astonishing X-Men so, Volume One. You see what I'm saying when you so, keep so going saying back more, over and over and over with the number ones. Yeah, so uh, are you saying a pro for that or a con against it? Cause, cause I'm asking me, you, is that so, a well, would that be to, interesting well, to you? To me, that sounds more interesting because it sounds more like a season of television. Uh, if you give me volume two and it starts back over at one, I know, okay, just like these event books that we're looking at, I know, okay, I can start with one of this and know that I'll get the complete story. Okay. All right. Point taken. And that, and, and, and a very valid point because that's how they are marketing these books. So, so, you know, for someone who purpose personally doesn't like being wrong, I give this as something that may just be an evidence of the changing times. And what I mean by that is we are so used to reading and seeing things in volumes now. You know, you see, um, look at Luke Cage, Daredevil, and all of that. We even want our TV shows, to some degree, to all come out at one point and at one time so you can binge watch. Yeah. And yeah. maybe and maybe the uh, the concept of getting all happy because you've got all 100 issues of, you know, Justice League of America is no longer relevant anymore. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I really I don't know if I have a full point of view to actually give a a good opinion on that. Just again, since I'm new. So (laughs) no, I think you're I think what you said is completely valid in a sense of my my look at it from liking you know that continuity of the numbering maybe not be what's important at the end of the day for someone who's newer to it because no matter how long i've been reading 
if people do not continue to come in and be viewers, you know, not trying to be morbid here, but your older readers are going to eventually die out. <laughs> yeah, you know, so you, so if you want to keep the right, unfortunately, but uh, but you have to keep getting new and you know new interest and new whatever coming in. So you know, maybe that's maybe that's something interesting. I mean, and again, but I know we're lingering on this topic, but it's like anything, you know, the first version of it, you can make it sensible. The second version, you might go a little further, but eventually down the line, it's going to get crazier and crazier if you continue along that same path without starting over. So, I mean, I just I just think a lot of it's just only natural for a piece of media. Yeah, and that's true. You know, the only thing that I've warned against or I hope against is, you know, the repeated events do not lead to the death of the story and put basically put a big X right in the middle of the death of the story. And speaking <laughs> of an X right in the middle of the death of a story, we just happen to be talking about death of X number one. So, yes, yes. Uh, to give everyone just a little bit fair warning, as usual, spoiler alert, we'll, we'll you know, have spoilers going forward. Um, having said that, to kind of give you an idea of what this particular issue was about, at the end of Civil War, when the rebooted Marvel Universe, or, or Marvel Now, as it was called, New Marvel Now, of last uh, October, November, December, came about, when everything started back over, we found an eight-month gap. So basically right about a year. And in that year, Cyclops, Emma Frost were off the picture. We we do not and still do not know exactly what has happened to them, even though we did find out that Scott does something that is not very popular and that the inhuman population and the mutant population are at the brink of of war and longtime original X-Men or X-Man, excuse me, uh, the older Hank McCoy, also known as the Beast, is living and working not with the X-Men, but with the Inhumans. Yes. And uh, that is if any of you guys have or ladies or whoever's listening has been listening. You've heard me refer when we talked about Marvel Comics uh, negatively about the beast and this story will shed some light as to why i do not like the older version of the beast which which that brings me to to my question for you do you think this in okay first let me ask you do we did we know that these uh, death of x comics were coming out how long ago did we know they were coming out um i mean we knew the event was coming you know, and we knew that that would tell us, but maybe three or four months ago. Okay, well, the only reason I asked that is because I I was wanting to know did you already know that they were going to go back and give us a reason on why they've uh, had this battle going on between the X Men and the Inhumans? Because you know, I you know I want somebody I want to insert like this all the sound bites of you complaining about how much you hate the Inhumans <laughs> and and you know. I, 
I'm just wondering, in all that hate, did you actually know we'd go back and get some explanation? Oh, I mean, I, I, I was confident we were going to get some explanation uh, simply because this is a gimmick uh, where you foreshadow something or you jump ahead, um, you know, Definitely. X number of times that they, you know, we've done that with even Doctor Who recently with the uh, sixth uh you know, the sixth season or Matt's second season as the 11th Doctor, where you see the season finale event happen in episode one, and then you f- catch up to it by episode 12 or 13. So, yes. you know, so yeah, I knew they would explain, but my hater raid for the Beast had already <laughs> started uh, prior to this particular. It was just like, oh, well, here he's doing something else. So there you go. Oh, man. But now I don't totally hate the beast. I I like his younger self, just not him. <laughs> uh, so you have some questions, I think. So yeah, I mean, along with that one, I I also want to ask uh, on the Uncanny X Men. Has this group been together for a long time? It seems like a weird group of people. All right, that group has been together since 2012. And oh wow! So, they long time. they came together when the X-Men had their split, where they split down the middle ideology-wise, and one group went one direction, the other group went the other direction. So did Cyclops take on this new look when he, when his younger self came back? Because I, I don't know if I've seen him when this... No, he took on that look shortly around the same time, but had nothing to do with, oh, well, I don't want to look like him. It was part of the post-schism, you know, breakup of the X-Men. And so when that happened, you know, he changed his costume because one group of X-Men said, we want to reopen the Charles Xavier School. The other group of the X-Men said, no, we need to be a little bit more proactive and militaristic. And one was led by Wolverine, one was led by Cyclops. Just out of curiosity, which one was the school? Which one was the more militaristic? Which one do you think? Um, you know what? If I wouldn't have seen this old man Logan stuff that came out earlier today, I would have said Cyclops definitely for the school. But I'm going to say Wolverine for the school. Wolverine for the school, correct. And it was younger <laughs> Wolverine, actually. Huh. <laughs> so, yeah, he, he, he opened or rebuilt and reopened and at the time, it was called the Jean Grey School for Higher Learning. And um, that was before young Jean came back from the past. But And then Cyclops, actually, uh, he and his team were actually fugitives from S.H.I.E.L.D. And they were holed up in Canada. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so uh, in addition to Cyclops, we have Emma Frost, Magic, Iceman. And these two I want to ask you about in particular are... Stepford Cuckoos, Cuckoos, yep, Cuckoos and Gold Balls. Yeah. What is this like a comedy? Thing? Uh, all right, so let me let me t- let me go over uh, Gold Balls and uh, the Cuckoos first, and because they're the they're the quickest to go over. Then we'll talk about Emma, and then I'll mention um, Magic or Ilyana a little bit. So the cuckoos, the cuckoos w- were introduced back in, I uh, believe it was X Men, one thirteen, probably 
back around 2001, 2002-ish, 2000 maybe. And that was Frank Morrison, or wait, Grant Morrison's run on uh, the X-Men. He and Frank quietly had a run and called, it was actually called New X-Men at the time. So the Cuckoos, there were originally five of them, and they, their powers to kind of describe them would be a hive mind. They, uh, that's why they speak at the same time. Now, okay. since then, and I can't remember off the top of my head how uh, both, both of you know, both two or the other got killed, but the other two have been killed over time since introduction. And in the last couple of years, the other three have started developing a little bit of their own identity. As you see, one of them, you know, had different, they had different color hair. The other two started coloring their hair differently than just all of them being blonde. So do they look the same? Are they the same person? Yeah, they're I triplets. Get... I mean, they're, okay. they're, they're, well, they're whatever fivelets are, you know, <laughs> I'm sure there's a word for it, <laughs> but there, there were five, four, four or five of them. Yeah, five. Cool. So that's the cuckoos. And somehow, and I'm not sure in my recollection as to exactly how, but they are somehow related or either cloned wise or something. There's some kind of relation to Emma. And I can't recall off the top of my head what that is, but they have some type of connection to Emma. And so Goldballs, he was a mutant that was found. (laughs) Yeah, very weird. And uh, I don't know if he still has his powers, but he is now being featured in Spider-Man as a roommate in the school with um, Miles and his best friend. So there's three people rooming in this dormitory together. And he still has the, the power. And basically... Do you, what do you think his powers do? I have no idea. He, he creates he, gold balls, you know, spheres of, you know, I don't, I think they're solid that he can, you know, like throw at you or, you know, fly at you or whatever. And that's his power. Okay. The name at least makes a little bit more yep. sense now. The name makes <laughs> sense, but dumb. Yeah. I mean, that's what you call, in my opinion, oh, well, we've run out of creativity. (laughs) Exactly. All right, so you got the cuckoos. You got him. Uh, Let's talk Emma for a minute. So you know that you said uh, earlier that um, your knowledge of her since the movie, right? Yeah, the X-Men Origin movie. So what did you Uh, think of her in X-Men Origin? I thought she was okay, particularly nothing special about her. Um, yeah, I just thought she was all right. I don't think I got anything else from her that seemed, you know, just groundbreaking. I kind of thought the effect they had on her when she uh, transformed was kind of cool at the time, but it may look cheesy now if I go back and look at it. <laughs> all right, so what is her powers based on what you know? Uh, it has something to do with diamonds, right? Or is it frost ice? I, I don't know. <laughs> good thing. Good, good guess with the, uh, you know, name Emma Frost. Uh, she can turn to diamond. 
That is part of her mutant abilities. It's more like a secondary mutation, but but yes, it is a part of what she can do. However, the secondary mutation of her being the um, diamond-skinned Emma only started actually about the same time that the Cuckoos were introduced, which was back in that new X-Men run at the early uh, 2000s. Before that, and even still, uh, she's a telepath. And that's, ah, okay. that's her primary um, thing. When she, uh, so how long do you think Emma has been around? Uh, well, it has to be a pretty long time. She was in, well, I don't know if the origin movie kind of reflects where she, when she actually kind of came into existence, but I would think probably around the 70s. Mm, very good. Very close. She was first seen in Uncanny X-Men number 129 that was published in January of 1980. And she wow. was created by Chris Claremont and uh, co-created by artist creator John Byrne, which their run on the X-Men in the uh, late 70s to mid 80s was one of the, I would say, most influential because that a lot of what you see today as part of what everybody just knows about the X-Men are things that they put in place. Ah, awesome. So, uh, so there you go. You've got, um, you know, you've got Emma and Emma actually started out just as she did in that movie as a part of the hellfire club. She was a villain called and was called the white queen at the time. And interestingly enough, and I, and I noticed that they did this also with rogue, when a woman in comics back in, I'd say the eighties, if you had a female character in comics in the eighties and probably even so today, they are, they were drawn not pretty. I'd put it that way. I mean, Emma was always in lingerie, but she was not dressed seductively or sultry or anything like that. And she actually kind of looked old in my opinion, same thing for Rogue. Rogue huh. was not drawn to look, in my opinion, pretty, or was she drawn to look old? Maybe that was part of the mentality of, hey, these are bad people. You don't want to create them and make them look appealing. You want that to be a visual that I'm not supposed to like this person. Yeah, um, I could see that happening. So Emma actually at one point kidnapped Kitty Pride and was going to force her to uh, join a group called the Hellions, which were her version, uh, an equivalent to the New Mutants, which were junior X-Men, and was going to threaten Kitty, if you don't join me, then I'm going to do something bad to the New Mutants. So she's, for many, many years, was a very bad X-Men villain. And in the late 80s, the, the Hellions were attacked by some X-Men villain, and all of her team, for the most part, was killed. And she blamed herself for it, and that, in turn, started leading to her road to redemption. Ah, I was, I was just going to say she sounds a lot like Magneto, but it seems like she came to the good side for good at some point. Yes, she did. 
And, you know, it was always the whole time she was on there, you always wondered and or I always wondered at what point is she going to turn? At what point is she going to turn? But uh, they really made her an integral part about a year or two after, or maybe a little longer, but it was after Scott and Jean Grey got married. And, you know, they had this big wedding. We're happily married. Well, Scott started having an affair. And <laughs> who do you think he had an affair with? Uh, let me guess. Miss Frost. Yes. Emma Frost. <laughs> but ironically enough, because she's a telepath, they never, and to, to, to quote a former politician, uh, he Scott never had sexual relations with that woman, Miss Frost. <laughs> because it was all mental. So he he had a mental affair, literally, with Emma Frost. And since Gene is a telepath as well, Gene caught them mentally in the, on the astral plane. Um, and so she walks in and, and uh, Emma is wearing uh, the Phoenix costume. So that, I mean, I, I was like, okay, that's... That's oh, that is so crazy. That's the craziest thing I've heard. <laughs> so after uh, Scott and and Gene uh, oh uh, kind of break up a little bit, and it <gasps> they never got a divorce, I don't believe, because Gene died. So after Gene died, Scott stayed with Emma. A mental affair. A mental affair. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, boy. What would he think of next? <laughs> so he has been, Scott and Emma have been a couple since, I would say, 2005 forward. Wow. Wow. Yep. And um, so that's Emma. Now, Magic, you mentioned her. Uh, we we mentioned her uh, from our uh, issue or episode before last when we were talking about civil war and you said that you thought her powers were neat. So let me ask you, when do you think Ilyana first appeared? Uh, I really don't have a clue. Whatsoever. <laughs> uh, she seems like someone that would, that would be fairly new. So I would say uh, since, since 2000, maybe. All right. How about May 1975? Wow, she's been around a while, too. She has been around a while. Her first appearance, even though she was not named, but her first appearance in comic was the same first appearance of Colossus in the comics, which was Giant Size X-Men number one, which, like I said, was May 1975. It showed him, um, basically, there was a tractor that's getting away from... Uh, from whoever was driving it and it's plowing right toward this little girl in the field playing with a toy and he goes and you know leans down over turns into steel and the tractor runs into him and he's not him or her is not hurt that's Ilyana. that's uh his little his little sister whoa so he's colossus's sister right colossus's little sister now she was given a name in 1981, she was referred to by name in X-Men number 145. Then in X-Men 160, which was in uh, August 1982, there was a demon from a uh, other dimension called Limbo that attempted to kidnap her while she was on 
site at the X Mansion. And so um, what happens is, you know, the X-Men are trying to, there's this big portal that's open to this basic demonic hell-like dimension. And Kitty is holding the little girl's hand and, um, you know, trying to pull her back through. And she, for just like a second, lets go of the hand and then her, then, and then, she was like, oh, no, I've lost her or something like that. And then like a second or so, a split second later, you know, she's got a hold of her again and she pulls her back out of the portal. But well, when she pulls her back out, six or seven, eight year old girl is now 14, 15, 16. Whoa, that's crazy. And so you don't initially know what happens until about a year later, there is a MAGIK four-issue limited series that reveals what happened during those seven years when uh, Ilyana was actually locked and uh, held captive in this demonic dimension. Huh. So the sword that you saw was something she created uh, while in that dimension, it's called a soul sword, and she created it for herself as kind of her embodiment of her magic. And uh, she ultimately used that sword to create or defeat Belasco and then, you know, escape back to where she was able to reach up and you see Kitty's hand reaching and so then you you know it was kind of cool reading that because you see Ilyana reaching up and grabbing the hand and knowing oh well that was a year ago and that's exact that's what that's how she did it that's cool huh yeah that is cool uh, i want to see that in the movie <laughs> yeah, that would awesome. be cool so for Ilyana, since obviously if i'm talking so much about her i've I actually really liked her as a character she stayed around in the new mutants she joined them in issue 16 of the very next year she stayed around as a member of the new mutants until 77 or issue 77 which was july 1989 and basically what happened there her demonic side took over. And when that happened, when the the demon version of Ilyana took over, she somehow went back and found the pure Ilyana that uh, she went back in time in limbo and put her into safety. So it was almost like the demon part of Ilyana never happened. Well, that was all fine and good until... Remember before when we were talking about Jubilee and I said, I don't like Jubilee because of she was rude to Kitty one time. Yes, you did say that. Okay. In 1993, Uncanny X-Men number 303, Kitty came back to the X-Men mansion or the X-Mansion and knocked on the door and Jubilee comes to... um the door and that's the point where she's rude to kitty like who are you well the reason that kitty was coming to the x mansion for that is because colossus's little sister is dying of something called the legacy virus and um she dies at the end of that issue so with Ilyana being one of my favorite characters at the time kitty 
also being, so you remember how you said with uh, Clara, that was part of your introduction to Doctor Who was through yeah. Clara? Or, uh-huh. or no, actually it was with Rose. Well, my introduction to the X-Men was right after uh, reading the comic proper was with Kitty. So, you know, that was kind of the affinity I had for Kitty Pride. So, you know, you put all that elements of here's another character that you like, all that going along. And then that one of those characters even dies. That that helped me to dislike, um, you know, Jubilee. But the good news is uh, a couple of years later, Velasco ultimately resurrects the demon part of Ilyana and that demon Ilyana ultimately gets her soul back and becomes Ilyana again. So oh my God. That's <laughs> the Ily- too ridiculous. <laughs> that is the Ilyana that you saw in Civil War Two and in what you read today. Nobody's ever dead, man. Nobody's ever dead. <laughs> you know, they actually said in an X Men comic one time, and I think it was Gene saying this to the professor, something to the effect with the X-Men, heaven is not a pearly gate. It is revolving doors. Huh. That's so. interesting. All right. So that's Ilyana. So anybody else that you have a question about? Uh, I think we pretty much covered Iceman before. Uh, yeah, we've done Iceman. Yeah. So, I mean, most of these other Inhumans are people I've never heard of. So uh, I don't <laughs> I don't really know what to start with them. Uh, I will but, uh, I will mention no. I will mention one Inhuman simply because of her prominence or longevity, uh, which would be Crystal, and that was the uh, what I would probably consider in this story the head Inhuman, the one with the short hair. Yeah, reminded me of Captain Marvel a lot. Yeah, I liked her better with long hair, but regardless, um, when do you think she was created? Uh, I just don't have a clue. <laughs> Fantastic Four, number 45, uh, December 1965. Oh, so she's been around a while as well. Yeah, she's almost, you know, been around. Well, I'll tell you how long she's been around. She was created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. So this was during the Stan Lee, Jack Kirby days of doing Fantastic Four. So um, that's how long the Inhumans... So the Inhumans have actually been around almost as long as the X-Men, for that matter. Huh. And you try to give them short shrift. <laughs> yeah. Now, all these other kids that they had on there, they are not necessarily kids, but all the other characters that, that were there with with her, with the exception of Gorgon, who was in the wheelchair, but majority of the ones that you saw were newer characters that have been activated as part of this pterogenesis that's going on. Oh yeah, let's uh, on that note. Let's get into the actual story of what happened in book number one, and that is not a lot happened. <laughs> uh, we kind of just get a an introduction to uh, the uncanny X Men traveling to Murray Island. Am I saying that right? Yeah, Murray Island. Yeah, it, I've always they I've heard it pronounced. I always called it Murray Island, but I've also heard it called Muir Island. But you know, it that works. Either one of them works for me. And they're looking for the doctor of that island. His name escapes me right now. Uh, uh, Jamie Madrix, which, which actually, interestingly enough, is Jamie's never been a, doc, a doctor. 
<laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Now there, you know, that, that island is actually, and this is a character or a name you will recognize from the movie, was Muir Island w- f- until she died was the home of Moria McTaggart. McTaggart. Uh, from the movie, the love interest for Charles. Oh, really? Yes. Huh. That was her home? That was She had a research facility. <laughs> okay, that makes island. sense. That makes a lot of sense if, if she was over it. Huh. That's cool. Now, what? Uh, speaking of Madrox, Madrox has been around since giant-sized Fantastic Four number four of February 1975, also created by Claremont. So he has, it looks like he has the ability to turn himself into multiple uh, people or clones or whatever. Yeah. Uh, his, na- his, um, his name was actually Multiple Man. That was his, uh, <laughs> literally. How creative. Yeah. Uh, and basically, I hit myself, and so I split into two. And both twos can hit themselves, keep splitting and keep splitting and keep splitting. And does he have control over them? Or are they kind no, of they own? are. They are all autonomous. However, he can. Who the prime Jamie can merge each of them back into himself. Ah. But when he does that, he keeps whatever experiences the du- and they call them duplicates or dupe as as they were kind of referred to. He keeps the experiences, memories or whatever of what happened to them as, you know, as if, you know, that happened to him too. That is crazy. Yeah. So, you know, if you were needing to, you know, clean your house up or learn or do two, five things at one time, just multiply, multiply yourself. And then, Hey, um, you know, you can learn and do and whatever. So <laughs> wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, that would be nice. So basically, in this story, we just find out that uh, the the something has happened to this research facility, and he's dead, and so is everyone else that's on this island. Um, so what is your what do you get happens in this? I think it has something to do with that terrorism mist. Right, it does, and that predates even the Secret Wars. There was something that happened with the Inhumans, and. W- well, for a while, for several years, the Inhumans left Earth, went off into space, decided that they were going to go and conquer the Kree who had created them. So l- let's go back and let's give a little bit of history of how the Inhumans got started, because I think that will help elaborate as to what's going on here. Back, say, thousands, tens of thousands of years ago, uh, the alien Cree came to Earth, experimented on uh, cavemen, and got bored, and then went back into the stars. Well, the cavemen that they experimented on, one group of them were what are now known as the Inhumans. Well, they discovered this crystal that the mist of that was released from the crystal or somehow made from the crystal would activate their powers. And their powers are sporadic, meaning that 
you don't know once you complete your teragenesis or your change, you may have a an ability that kind of, you know, really messes you up physically, or you could have an ability that makes you so powerful like Black Bolt that you can't even speak. You know, so um so that's kind of how there there happened happened. Well, something's going on with the Inhumans a couple of years ago. There's this big thing of Terrigen mist that that is released and it starts going over, you know, the globe. Well, after or during Civil War or after Civil War is over, you know, Marvel automatically decides or for whatever reason decides, oh, well, guess what? If a mutant comes in contact with the Terrigen Mist, it will either give them something that will make them sick, sterilize them, or kill them. Now, is that that are you saying that wasn't the original way it affected mutants? Well, the 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 affecting mutants was never even addressed addressed even to the point after uh, several years ago when all the mutants are the majority ninety eight percent of all mutants lost their powers allegedly Chris I mean Quicksilver lost his powers and actually used one of their crystals to repower himself. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, a little bit of wibbly wobbly, it doesn't make sensey wincey, you know, if you think about it. But, um, but that's, that's the current way it's being told is the Terrigen mist. If you're a normal human, nothing will happen to you. If you are an inhuman or if you have some type of inhuman DNA, just a little bit, it could put you in the cocoon and make you powerful or make you an inhuman after you come out of the cocoon. If you're a mutant, it's basically either lethal, sterilization, or will make you sick, which ultimately will kill you too. Huh. Yeah, just a little difference from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the TV show. I think uh, it... Basically, it's the same thing, but but if it touches a human, it will basically turn them into a stone-looking thing and kill them instantly. Right. Uh, which we saw one of the characters die like that at the end of uh, two seasons ago, I believe. As well as that's the reason in the current season before uh, uh, he actually got well, – I'm not going to say what happened to him. But his hand got, <laughs> got taken off for Agent Coulson. His hand got missed on him, and he got it cut off because it would have killed him. So – so it's like they used that, but said, let's just stick it to the mutants. <laughs> so let well, me ask you this. I want to ask you, I've been doing a lot of talking. Let me ask you this. From what you read, just, you know, and take away anything that I said, but from what you saw, what you read, is someone right? Is someone wrong? Oh, man. Uh, you know, the, the, it. I was kind of thrown off by the by the end of this first book because it just seems like all these stories nowadays are just trying to put the good guys versus the good guys. And I don't like that, you know. I mean, who are the humans good guys? I think they are. Yeah, you well, well you know, I don't like them only because I feel like they are taking the place of the mutants. And, you know, and it seems calculated. 
that's why I don't like them. I never really cared one way or the other for them previously, but that's why I don't particularly like them myself. As, but no, in the context of the story, you know, if I look at it from their perspective, they're not as if let's go out and do this specifically to attack mutants. They're just saying, we want to see who else is out there like us. Unfortunately, that is deathly, you know, con- whatever to the X-Men. Yeah, I mean, and even at that point, they just stop because they know it could hurt somebody. And even by the same token, we, we okay, this mist is approaching Japan. And we're finding out that, you know, in the past, these people have been evacuating these cities when they see the mist coming. And in this instance, a lot of people are staying. So even by that token, even if it didn't actually kill mutants, I think you should give the person the the right to choose whether they want to become inhuman or not. You know, just because they have this latent ability doesn't really mean they want to unleash whatever may happen to them, whether it makes them something hideous or give them cool powers. I think they should be given a choice. So by the same token, even even if they're not trying to affect the mutants themselves, the fact that they're allowing this and i don't know if there's a way to stop the mist or not but the fact that they're allowing this to actually come over a large group of people and not give them an actual choice is not a good thing right because anytime you have you know and 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 it's interesting i'm sitting here listening to you talk and before i'm uh you know state what i was about to say it's interesting hearing your observation because it sounds like another way of saying a governing body because that's basically who did this it was the royal family of the inhumans that are leading this obviously they lead the inhumans so they are the governing body of the inhumans you know it's it's interesting how you know you look at that and and ask uh from the perspective of the governing body deciding, well, we know what's best for the people. That's kind of what the inhumans are doing because they are saying, well, we know what's best for people. It's, it's great for you to be, you know, an inhuman. Well, yeah, and what if you weren't? Yeah. And I'm kind of surprised. It's like, even not only the X-Men, but people like the, uh, other, like the shield and, and groups like that are just, standing aside and not really doing anything about this mist going around the the world changing people who don't have a choice that just seems anti that just seems like a bad thing if you really think about it it just seems like a bad thing you know that's that's why again it i keep reading and finding and hearing complaints from people saying and, and i'm and i know i sound like a broken record but once again you're you're you know, shoving the Inhumans down our throat by giving a book called Uncanny Inhumans. I mean, for an X-Men fan, that's almost like a (laughs) slap in the face. face. Exactly. (laughs) You know, to call it uh, Uncanny Inhumans. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I could see I could see the hate. I could see why you would hate that. That's just like it maybe and maybe I would say this. Maybe we just are. That's that might be the rise that they're trying to get out of the fan base. Maybe a year from now, we'll look back and say, "Okay, 
well played, well played. Maybe they're just trying to get us to this point to where we feel something uh, so much for this group that we've known a long time, and then they eventually resolve it to where we're all happy, you know? Maybe. I, I think when that will happen, if that happens, is when uh, Disney slash Marvel gets the rights back to the X-Men, if that happens. <laughs> wow, you're really going deep with this, aren't you? No, I mean, it's if you go back and you look, uh, there, there, were, there was a conscious effort in the last 18 to 24 months that so f- even went so far to removing images of the X-Men and or Fantastic Four from... Uh, I, I, let me give you an example. There was a shirt that they had uh, put into production that was a reprint of the uh, cover to the original Secret Wars number one from 1984. And that particular um, cover had members of the X-Men on it, and it had members of the Fantastic Four on it. When they redid that or reissued that shirt shortly before the new Secret Wars uh, came out, all members that were on there, I think it was The Thing and Mr. Fantastic, I think it was Storm and Wolverine from the X-Men, they were replaced with, uh, I think, I think Luke Cage, uh, and, and a couple of other people. So you purposely methodically took the, those characters out, replaced them with other characters, and the only common denominator was, who do you have the cinematic rights to? Oh, we don't have rights to these two groups. And they were replaced by, you know, characters they did have rights uh, for live action. So, so basically you're saying the corporate overlords over at Marvel slash Disney are have a strategic effort to basically get the X-Men out of their companies as much as possible until they can at some point gain rights to those franchises in a movie. Bingo. Yep. That's it. Wow. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's my opinion. I may be a hundred percent off base, but that's my opinion. You're right. Wow. Well, as far as uh, <laughs> theories go, it's, it's, it's playing out exactly as as you said. So, I mean, I don't know if that could be completely discounted at this point, but it's just an interesting premise to see business decisions kind of uh, sway what we're seeing in, in the comics themselves. And, you know, and I'm not saying per se that that's a bad thing. I just think that you 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 have such a base with the x-men that and again this almost sounds political here but don't alienate your base and uh you know even with the title of death of x you know unless at the end and and if uh you know, I'm saying this right here, right now, episode 21. If at the end of this uh, Death of X and the follow-up series, which will be the Inhumans versus the X-Men, that everything is hunky-dory, then I will come on on whatever issue or episode we are at and say, you know what I said <laughs> in, in 21? I was wrong. 
<laughs> but I just think even the name of this, Death of X, is sort of like another, eh, let's just, you know, screw it in a little bit tighter. Well, again, from my point of view, it's like, it's so blatant that it can't be what they're going for. That's that's just my opinion, but it just seems too on the head that if they're going for that, why would you do it in such a, a blatant out and outright fashion and actually anger your fan base? Hmm. I we'll, we'll see. <laughs> we will see. So other than that, uh, you know, other than hearing me moan and complain, um, what else did we? What else did you take away from this issue? I don't know. Again, there wasn't a whole lot going on. We saw the actual uh, Inhumans go to Japan and 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 try to recruit the people who were turning, and we saw a, a brief fight with them versus the uh hydra so i mean again it wasn't it wasn't a whole lot going on and then uh by the end we have cyclops declaring war and uh and, and basically the lead uh lady from the Inhumans, was what's her name again crystal crystal uh kind of doing the same thing in the opposite direction because she haven't she's having to defend herself versus hydra so she, you know she's like i'm gonna protect my own and and, and cyclops is like uh, you know, this is war. You know, yeah. you're killing us here. So, and, and what what I did find interesting that last page where they both are saying we protect our own at the same time. You know, and it was it was it was that epic split screen. You know, down the middle of we protect our own. So, I mean, I give them credit. I just, I, I don't know. I've just always had an affinity for the X Men, and I don't want to see the X-Men just completely decimated by all of this. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So I think I have, you know, like I said, for the lack of better word, griped and moaned about, uh, you know, the Inhumans for the better part of a little bit over an hour. So (laughs) I think we have put uh, death of X number one, uh, six feet under. What do you say? Agreed. So is there anything else you're working on? And I know I'm putting you on the spot, but you had another project you were working on with uh, your other podcast. So how is that coming? Yeah, we don't have nothing new out right now. <laughs> still in the planning stages. Yeah, yeah still in the planning stages. So, uh, yeah, nothing nothing new on that front, but hopefully something coming soon. Good deal. Uh, and what about yourself? Anything new and exciting you're working on? No, nothing new and exciting. Uh, you know, uh, we do have, I will, you know, mention this. We do have two upcoming episodes of Discussing Who in the Works. One uh, associated with Doctor Who locally uh, is coming up on and doing an interview with us. The person that... Um, coordinated the Doctor Who event that uh, we had and talked about a couple of weeks ago. So she will be coming on soon. I'm also working with another gentleman actually in the UK who is an independent uh, comic book uh, writer slash artist. And, uh, you know, that will be an episode coming up soon. So looking forward to both of those. Awesome. Both of those sound great. Can't wait to listen. So tell everybody how they can get in touch with us. Uh, yeah, f- of course, you can follow us on Twitter at Discussing Who, Instagram at Dis- Discussing Who, uh, Facebook, 
is facebook.com slash discussing who uh, you can actually send us a voicemail at 805-850-DWHO or send us an email at discussingwho at gmail.com. Also, make sure you visit the website, discussingwho.com, and subscribe to the feed so you won't miss an episode. Uh, yeah, that's the easiest way to get our new content as they come out. And uh, leave us a review on iTunes as well. Yep, yep, please do, because, you know, the more uh, exposure we get, the more... Uh, people can hear us talk and uh, get feedback because as we've all said before, we want feedback from you guys because we want to know what uh, everyone wants to talk about. And if you have a topic you want us to cover, you know, shoot us an email, send us a message, however you want. Uh, We want to hear from you. And if you do leave uh, feedback, uh, you know, in the voicemail form, do that, and we may even play it on the show. So, uh, Clarence, unless you have anything else, I think we are out of here.